The Youthscape Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to a, uh, a slightly sombre edition of Youthscape's podcast because um, I, I appear to be flying solo this morning. There's, there's nobody for me to bounce off. Uh, it's just me, Martin Saunders. Rachel Gardner's chair is empty. We've actually left a chair empty for her in sort of uh, solidarity and memoriam. I say memoriam, nothing's happened to her, she's just a bit late. But, uh, but I am joined by a guest this morning. And so what we're going to do, as we wait for Rachel to arrive, hopefully she'll arrive halfway through this, uh, I, uh, I will introduce immediately our guest, my better, um, uh, Mr. Chris Curtis. Well, hello. Now, Chris, if you don't know, and I, I presume you don't, is the chief executive of Youthscape, uh, for which, of course, we all work and uh, are grateful for our pay. And, uh, and so we thought, uh, we thought it was time after about 40 episodes of, of the Youthscape podcast, it was, it was time to, uh, to invite the old man on and, uh, and just to, uh, to hear a little bit about the journey that you've been on, because you've been here, well, not here in this building, but you've been here in Luton for 25 years? 24, actually. Oh, sorry, you got a bit touchy then. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's not a quarter of a century yet, but no. it's heading that way. Very close. And so, until about five years ago, Youthscape was really... Uh, to all intents and purposes, a local schools work charity, first and foremost, wasn't it? And then it's, it's changed. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the first 20 years and what you were doing, and then why the change, what happened? Well, that's quite a question. Yeah. I mean, let's go back to 1993, when uh, Youthscape when started. In those days, it was called the Luton Churches Education Trust. And... Uh, I arrived in Luton um, fresh-faced, a little younger than I am now, um, but I tell you what, I arrived to a group of churches who knew that they needed to do more to connect with young people and decided to do that together. Mm. So let me start on that. And it, the, it was a big group, wasn't it? It wasn't sort of four 40, churches. 45 of the local churches That's extraordinary. had found in common uh, a desire to sort of work and connect with young people, which which was extraordinary, actually, and and a genuine sort of connection between them all. So they um, they formed the Luton Churches Education Trust, mm-hmm. um, and its its job. And it, do you know what I came to? It, it wasn't like there was a huge detailed task set out, but I I arrived, and really the job was there are young people in Luton. Some of them have really challenging issues going on in their lives. Some of them are yeah, whole mix and the church is not connected to them. Mm-hmm. Go fix it. Uh, and and so that's where we started. So we, you did, you fixed it. Well, um, we started, I'll tell you what, we started, I found an empty Baptist manse. Uh, <laughs> for those that, because yeah. I don't know what that is. What is a well, Baptist that's, manse? That's Baptist for vicarage. Oh, okay. okay. Do you know Baptists obviously have a whole series of code words. Do they? that they can use, that In people denial. outside of the yeah. Baptist world, they don't know what that means. Wow. Um, although I can't think of any others If, right you, if there are any Baptists listening, we'd love a glossary. <laughs> yeah. There must be, I, I presume there are hundreds of words Baptists use to secretly communicate with each other. <laughs> Do you think? Like, sure. a, like a sort of Esperanto oh, for absolutely. Baptists? absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Wow. The question is not if, but what. Wow. That's a um, thought. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we uh, a lovely lady, elderly lady called Barbara Bond, uh, gave us a filing cabinet. Oh, bless her! I I had to ring the treasurer and ask him permission to buy a telephone. Um, wow. 
And that was it. Me, a telephone, and Barbara Bond's filing cabinet <laughs> in a Baptist manse. Uh, have I set the scene for you? <laughs> Beautiful. It's absolutely... Be- I love it. So then what... I mean, I could, well, I can. I immediately see how we got here. I, in I, this three way, I, building. I moved from Bristol to do this. And for some reason in Bristol, I'd acquired an enormous number of houseplants. Oh. I had to do two trips from Bristol in my uh, little car. One was with all my stuff and then went back for all the houseplants. And I filled this Baptist manse with houseplants. So imagine me not only with Barbara Bronze filing cabinet <laughs> and a phone, yeah. but surrounded by cactuses I can, or cacti. This, you were really painting the picture. Yeah. You're quite an idiosyncratic <laughs> man in your 20s, weren't you? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Wow, okay. So, so that's, and then, uh, so, I mean, we can't probably go through <laughs> in quite this much detail. We've done day each, one each year. of 24 years. No, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what happened? I'm here for the journey. Broadly, in the next 20 years. <laughs> So, well, I think I think the first thing that happened is um, we discovered, I discovered how how incredible young people are and how open they are to be, to, you know, the, the, when you go and meet young people, you discover so quickly, as, as people listening will know, um, how uh, thoughtful, insightful, engaged they really are. In, in the world and with things around them. And so I, I went, started going into local schools and I found young people uh, interested in what we were trying to talk about, de- wanting to debate. And we started working in two or three um, uh, local schools. In those days, it was much easier than I think it is today to run um, uh, Christian Union groups. And that we started them. And it, by the way, this was the era when Christian Union groups had really great names. So the first Christian Union I started was called Jam. Oh, yeah. What do you think that was meant for? Jesus and me. Correct. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we had a whole series of ones which had cross in the title. So cross fire, cross talk, um, cross cross. Maybe not, I don't know. Did you not think of one called crisscross that was more (laughs) self-referential? Oh, no. Okay. Do you know, I had a lovely lovely moment. So soon after arriving in, uh, in, in Luton, I was burgled. Oh no! They didn't take the, the houseplants, did they? <laughs> they didn't take the houseplants, but they took my crystal maze. Well, prize crystal. You disarmed me there because you've taken my great story about you. Sorry, and you've stolen it. Yeah, they you, stole you, the crystal because you were on the crystal maze. I was back when it, you know, in the Richard Grime, nineteen thirty, glory days, when it was first on, and uh, and and you got the crystal, and then it was yeah, started. I got a crystal and a skydive from ten thousand feet. Which are the days of proper prizes. Yeah, we took off and uh, I was with this instructor and we got really, really high and I looked at this little tiny plane and I said, we're, you know, when are we going to jump? And he said, we're only at 2,000 feet. Wow. I was like, okay. Uh, I still feel like we're on day two of yeah, 24 are. years here. Oh yeah, this is a extended Great. point. Anyway, no, let me come back. So anyway, the I lost the, the, the crystal. Um, and for some reason I must have mentioned this and a group of youngsters in one of the schools um, got together, rang Channel Four, wow. got hold of the company that made it, um, got them to re- persuade them to remake a crystal, which has got to have your name and the year on it and everything. It's wow. not, it's not a generic crystal. You oh, know, it's that, a proper crystal. That's amazing. Um, and then presented it to me in school. Did you did you cry when you received it? Did you break down in tears? Are you, are you trying to take a dig at my renowned lack of no, emotional not at all. I just, I, I just wondered. So that must have been was, a very emotional moment I was, for you. I was very, I was very moved, actually. And I, I tell you that story only because um, 
I just think uh, young people just constantly amaze me with yeah. with what they're capable of, yeah. their insights. You know, it's it's fun. And that's driven you so for the last twenty five years. To be serious for a moment, yeah. You know, that's driven you to to want to first of all impact yeah. the lives of young people across Luton, and then more. You know, more recently, you've you've, you've thought on a grander scale. Yeah. So, so you you ran up. I'm going to fill it in because you don't seem very <laughs> you don't seem very good at telling the story. Um, you basically ran a local schools work charity for about 19 years, yeah. and uh, and some national projects started to naturally bubble out of those. But then, kind of more recently, things changed, and and part of the story is this building. So, well, I help you out and put you okay. there. In well, the story. look, thank you. Uh, but just to go back, if I no, don't don't go. Back. <laughs> um, uh, we. we we're, we're part of a bigger picture. So, in fact, uh, not just in the UK, but across uh, Western culture and civilization, if I can, if I can say that, um, uh, Christian faith is on the wane in many of those contexts, and uh, youth work is is really feeling that. And I think as we began training more widely than Luton um, and helping people think about young people and mental health, or going into schools, all the different things we got involved in. Uh, a, a different sort of background story emerged, which is one of just how on earth do you deal? How, how do you how do you figure out how to connect with young people as as you just feel youth work being challenged by culture, mm. challenged by um, sociological changes? So you know, I I might have gone to youth group because it was the one time in the week on a Friday evening that I could you know meet with mm. with with people. Mm. Now you're connected. Why would you want to go to a church youth group on a Friday night on a sort of cold mm, mm. September evening. Um, uh, so all of those changes, I think we began to see this wider narrative and, and, and began to realise that um, this wasn't about just finding the new latest bit of culture to connect young people. You know, it wasn't about saying, gosh, we've got to throw out that set of sort of videos and find the latest band that we're going to get. It, it was a much deeper, more profound change that demanded a a much deeper, more profound change of us as youth workers. Um, so I think, I think one of the things I would say is I think um, uh, th- there's there's a, there's a distinction between um, the youth group and youth ministry. Mm. I was listening to someone talk about this over the weekend, um, uh, and I just wonder whether we've we've done youth groups for the last 15, 20 years. Um, and it may be that that form of youth work is coming to a close. Um, Don't say that. But that's not youth ministry. Youth ministry is a bigger picture about how we yeah. connect with young people. So I think we're asking, I think what we found was a real challenge actually in our, in our faith from God to say, what, not ha- what, does you, what do youth groups need to look like now? But what, mm. is, what is youth ministry mm. in the next 10 years? What's the shape of that? Mm. Um, and that journey, I think, has become really exciting, overwhelming at times, but I feel totally critical. So it's not about revamping and sort of reimagining the, the old. It's about saying, what is the shape of how we as the church work with young people? And, and so Youthscape has, you're right, to come to a close. Oh. Um, <laughs> Youthscape has, has, um, has set itself that task of, of asking that question and trying to be part of figuring out the answer. So I, I think it's it's fair to say we don't see ourselves we see ourselves as one small part of of that answer maybe the um, uh, maybe the left brain of, of youth ministry for sure I mean th- this thing is going to need all of us yeah um, uh, thinking 
figuring out uh, the, sh- the shape of things to come. And that's hard because I think I, we actually need, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the older generation now. We need new thinking that's going to challenge me. I'm, I'm not going to pretend for a moment that I'm not rooted yeah. really when it comes down to it in uh, ideas about how it should work. Yeah. Almost certainly all of those are no longer workable or relevant. And I think, I think we really do need a new raft of youth workers who are prepared to think very differently about how to work with young people. So uh, one of the things that Youthscape is doing, we have, we may have mentioned it on the podcast occasionally, is um, we've launched a new conference. Now, y- you and I and our good friend Matt Summerfield, we were involved in a sort of day conference for a number of years called the Youth Work Summit. Ah, the glory God rest days. its soul. Yes. But um, uh, uh, that was just sort of a one-day quick hit, lots and lots yeah. of voices, lots and lots of ideas. This is very different. So we, from November... We're talking about six six weeks time, maybe six weeks time. Uh, we have the National Youth Ministry Weekend in Birmingham. Um, so, how does that play into what you were just talking about? Why are we doing that? Well, I think if you if you want to learn a new game or just get a quick idea, then sure, come for a day or read a book. But if you really want to think deeply about how to grow your youth ministry, how to disciple better the young people in your youth ministry, how to engage better with young people outside your youth ministry, then that's that's not five minutes and a, and a, and a quick thought. That's a journey. And um, it's a journey way beyond a weekend, by the way. But I think in order to help people engage with that journey, it has to be more than just a few hours together. And I think, well, you and I have talked about this, I, I think we felt... Um, as, as challenging as sometimes it is with a weekend because it, yeah, maybe the, it's a little bit more money and you have to stay overnight and it's harder to get your whole youth group there and you've got family and other church commitments. But, 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 this kind of challenge that we face deserves um, more than just a, a few moments and lip service. Mm. It, de- it demands of us um, coming together to listen, to learn. And, and for me, uh, a weekend is an absolute minimum space in which to do that. So I, I think, I think actually a week, the, the fact that it's a weekend is really important. Yeah. And I think we want to take people on a, on a journey and start them thinking um, in different ways. And I think, I think that will be what we'll set out to do over those two days. Now, uh, you and I have been involved in youth ministry conferencing for a number of years. It would be fair to say that one of the most uh, nail-biting elements of, uh, of running a conference is ticket sales. And, uh, and one of the interesting things about this has been that we have almost, well, we've sold the majority of the tickets quite early on. So very quickly, we had a, a number of people buy tickets. And then over the summer, uh, lots more people bought tickets. And, and Strangely, we find ourselves in this position of having to say to say to people, if you if you do want to come to this, you actually do need to buy a ticket like now. Yeah. Why do you think that's happened? What in your head is it? Is it just pr- practically it's a weekend? People need to plan further in advance, or do you think there's a real hunger? Oh, absolutely, the latter. I I think um, uh, I think two things have, have come together. One is that there's very little other opportunity to gather, particularly gather across church denominations and groupings and I think there's something really powerful about connecting and learning outside as, as, as fantastic as it is to connect with with your own group uh, to, to connect outside but also I think that there is this sense we we want to come and learn things are challenging mm-hmm. I think there's a real demand for a space where that can happen do you know what's just happened 
Yeah, I could hear some kind of noise there in the background. There was a clunk. I was trying to, frankly, I was trying to make quite an important point. I, I, I was listening. Wow. I was still listening. Unbelievable. I heard that an interview was happening somewhere in the building that I was not privy to. Sorry. So I thought I'd, and also, you're relieved now. It's your favourite member of staff has just walked in, Chris. Uh, you should see the look on his he, face. No, I mean, this, the so wheels are coming happy. off this. He's now decided <laughs> to start eating We're his eating. breakfast. Mm. Mm. What is going on? I'm so sorry I'm late. No, it's fine. Hello, everyone. Hello, listeners. Uh, yeah, so Rachel's here then. Great, carry on, Chris, carry on. Oh, no, he's, I mean, he can't because he's, he's decided <laughs> to just check out now and have his breakfast in the corner. Oh. This is what happens when you and I are around. He just yeah, retreats. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And can I just say as This well, is how everyone, coups happen. Everyone that's listening in by the power of radio waves, um, are you guys both wearing a very similar jumper today? Uh, we are. But now, there's a, there's a notable difference between <laughs> yes, this jumper. Is. Oh, is there? You'll find yeah. that that is a black V-neck gap jumper, <laughs> yeah. whereas this is a, uh, a black uh, crew neck uh, yeah, well, M&S M&S jumper. First of all, it's arguably very, very dark blue. Mm, that's not dark I blue. I would agree yeah, it is. Um, secondly, uh, it's it's got to be V-neck. Um, right. That is, is that? the uniform. Thirdly, and just importantly, I don't think either of you have picked up on this yet. It's not just any kind of jumper. It has to be merino wool. <gasps> not one of those cotton. Those cotton jumpers don't wash well. After a while, they well, go dark blue. You know, I I look at your jumper and make that point. But after a while, they kind of lose their shape. <laughs> Right. Um, I mean, that's happened to me too. We don't. We don't normally have such classy sort of guests. Listless and sack-like. Right. Um, whereas merino wool, um, if you wash it properly, as I do, uh, keeps its shape and texture very well. I, I mean, I feel soft. like you really know what makes a good podcast. <laughs> I think if you're a listener to this, I think if, if you, if you right skipped ahead, you know you skip through the interview to get to the bit where me and Rachel are yeah. talking. Um, if you've done that now, you've picked up that bit. You're thinking, this is what are they talking about? Do you, anyway. do you remember that plane ride where we were together trying to work out how few brands I've narrowed my life down oh, to? Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was fun, wasn't it? Because yeah. I, I essentially, uh, I only shop in, for clothes in, in two shops. Yeah. Everything I own, pretty, in fact, maybe, no, I've got some trainers as well. Almost everything I own only comes from two shops. Wow. I mean, I, I wasn't going to touch Miss on Selfridge. the fact that you're a. And... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, let's just embrace it. Well right done. Now. That's great. Well done. I, I wasn't going to touch on the fact, the fact that you're a sort of weird robot, but <laughs> since you brought it up, Chris Chris is a very odd man. I mean, he can, he can he's only got a certain number of things he allows himself to do. He's only allowed Apple computers. Mm. He only drinks Starbucks coffee. Yeah. Or uh, he can get a Pret-a-Manger because that's where he likes to get a really sandwich like from. Yeah. Um, he, I presume you've always had your hair cut in the same place. Always. Always wear Converse trainers. Always. Always wear a black jumper. Always. Um, always read The Guardian. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I probably listed uh, the whole <laughs> scope of your life now. Look, I, I wish I hadn't brought this subject up now, frankly. Um, I know what I like. Yeah, you um, do. And I, I also like genuinely to wake up in the morning and um, I like to... I don't have to think... Yeah, I only own... I own this black jumper. I own... Four of these. I don't own any other jumpers of any colour or any type. Uh, these are the only jumpers I own. Yeah, I think you came across well in the first half of the I mean, interview. I get up and if I say, think I need a jumper today, I don't then have that signal the that you energy. have. Rachel. You know, it's true. You have to say, yeah, if I need one? a jumper, which one? Is it clean? I, I, smell I, test. While you're still thinking yeah. of that, yeah. 
I'm already out the door You're working. Changing the world. That's it. That is it. That is You're different. still in the wardrobe. Painting my nails. Figuring out what to, what jumper. I am. I'm in the car. I'm going to make a difference. But by the time I but car. by the time I arrive to work, I've thought of a hundred ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, not true at all. Um, so anyway, I interrupted a very. I think I was hearing some really good sentences that were uninterrupted by Martin about some profound youth ministry oh, stuff. Oh yeah, there was some very good sentences, but I I I, I fear we're at the end of that. <laughs> okay. um, but but thank you for trying to build him up again. Great. Yeah. So, we, so so Chris told us about uh, the the history of Youthscape. I mean, to mm. be fair, he told us about the first two days of the history of Youthscape, and I filled in. Right. And then and then he started talking about the conference, and you walked in. All right. Um, so I, I mean, it's it's a car crash, to be honest. This one. And we always knew it would <laughs> An be. Almighty triumph. An we always triumph. knew it would be. There's a lot of love for Chris. In well, this but Chris, I, I think we might play a game. One minute. I think that's the idea. Is that is that producer Rachel is nodding. Uh, the plan was that this was going to be the podcast where Martin and I would invite the CEO, our dear CEO, our dear leader, mm-hmm. uh, up, into dear the, leader. up into the tower and, and demonstrate to him that actually rather than just chatting endlessly about nail polish mm. and nail polish even and what we're eating, actually we are somehow talking about things that are really going to make a difference and I feel that that's not going particularly very it's not well. Going well it, no. Slightly awkward moment here. So I would like to kind of bring it back in. Chris, I'd like to hear from you. What what key messages would you love to give youth workers in the UK right now? You're, you're leading an organisation that is seek to bring in some new thinking, some new ideas. You also spend lots of time with youth workers here in Luton and around yeah. the UK. What What is your heart, what is your message to youth workers? Well, I think... I think there's a there's uh, what immediately comes to mind is is the two sides of where I think we are. So on the one hand, nothing's changed. You know what? What young people need more than anything is time, engagement, to be listened to, to be connected with. That's that's like the sort of that's part of what it means to be a human being. And whatever happens in youth ministry, that's a constant. So. Whatever forms of youth ministry evolve and develop in the next decade, um, all of that will be at the heart of it. If it's got any chance of, of being effective, we'll be connecting with young people, listening, spending time with them. Um, uh, so that's on the one hand, nothing's changed. On the other hand, everything's changed. Um, and uh, that's, I think, pretty, pretty scary. Um, and uh, it's, it's easy to hold on to the way we've worked um, before. But I really genuinely think um, we have to open ourselves up to new models of work, not just new ideas, but whole new ways of engaging and working with young people. So I think that's the world we live in. You know, uh, nothing's changed, everything's changed, and we're sitting in the middle. And when you say ideas and models, I, that's a really helpful distinction. I still think sometimes in my head I, I conflate the two. So I, I think, okay, yeah, I need to do something different. We need to do youth work differently. But still, yes. what I then come out with is another idea, yes. a new kind of session yes. plan or a sure. tweaking the edges. So when you say models, help us understand that word. Yeah, so it's, it's not, gosh, I need to go back to that... Um, session on anger and update the film clip from E.T. to something. A film with anger in it? Yes. Oh, I can't think of it. How about okay, there you go, thank you. Okay, some Avengers movie. It's, yeah. it's not Yeah. It's not that. Um, or it's not even instead of um, phoning my youth group to tell them the time has changed, I need to do it on Facebook. You know, those are uh, incremental changes. That's just assumed. 
Um, but I think um, how young people engage with faith and grow in it um, is, ch is actually changing. I think the way young people, the culture young people grow up in, the context um, is profoundly different. So for example, um, the didactic model, which is, you know, both blessed and plagued the church, ultimately everyone sitting in rows, someone up front leading, which let's face it, you know, we, we may, might critique a main congregational service as, as being like that. But in truth, other than starting with a game, quite often our youth groups didn't <laughs> yeah, look exactly. too dissimilar yeah. to that. But that model is absolutely shifting to an exploration, experiential uh, model. And um, giving young people uh, a, a context. So, so I, I suppose a, an example of that would be we're moving from, uh, here's a metaphor, we, we're moving from the classroom to the laboratory. That's, you know, we've, 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 youth work's lived in the classroom, now it's got to live in, in the lab where young people are actually going to get involved in engaging in slightly different ways. And I think it is really hard for those of us steeped in decades of ready-to-use meetings where there's a game, a group discussion, an activity, a talk. It, it's just very hard to come out of that and even imagine what youth ministry might look like that's different to that. Well, I read an article that you wrote, I think it was one of the youth at mags, I think it was the 25th anniversary of youth ministry, I think it was, but you talked about the reason for moving from the classroom to the lab is that that is the place where young people are really alive. And so it's such a challenge. Actually, we could stick with the old model and the classroom model, and they might sit there quietly, and they might listen, but who knows what's going in. But your challenge was actually to ask ourselves, where are young people alive? Where are they creating the yeah. new ideas and to find that space? Sure. And, and this, by the way, is actually a debate for the whole church, not just youth work. Youth work, mm. the glory of youth work is I think we do have a little bit more freedom to move and change. And it, I, I hope we can be a prophetic message to the church. So, you know, in a, a, a minister has a different set of, of problems. If they change, you know, the service by 15 minutes or do five hymns instead of four, you know, they're going to have people who are at the service emailing them straight afterwards to complain. They do, they really do. It's a crazy world. Um, uh, in youth ministry, we just have a bit more flex. And I think the challenge is on us to lead and actually to perhaps be the way the church discovers models that will include the whole church in years to come. So that's a real responsibility. That's exciting. Wow. Chris, you, uh, you, you've been very, uh, very game today because, <laughs> because you, you, you've, you've taken our, uh, our banter, you've taken it in your stride. Yeah, and uh, and we're very uh, we're very grateful. I you think it's a daily occurrence. Though, have, it Martin, it is a little least. bit. We yeah. bullied you again. It's got, we call it upward bullying. Can it's I, very unusual. Can I just say? I mean, this has been an interesting um, experience for me coming today, and yeah. as I suspected, I am going to need to cancel this. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is over. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to have to. This this is this is not going to work. <laughs> I will edit that out. Take yeah, that, take out. that out. We'll we'll just copy him saying this is the best project I've ever had. In <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> reassigning you to a different project with immediate effects. <laughs> non people facing projects. <laughs> well, but thank you for coming. Thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. The Youthscape Podcast. Well, Rachel, we can sigh something of a, a sigh of relief. Oh, yes. There we go. The because boss Chris, left. Chris is gone. Good. We can relax now. <laughs> I've still got my coat on. <laughs> I like him. Like, <laughs> I'm late. Anyway, we've got a new game, haven't we? We have got a new game. Very excited.
exciting. After 20, this is 23 this episodes. This is number 23, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the podcast, we've, we've, we've finished the youth culture game that yes. we're so bad at. We, we now have a new game to play Ooh. each week, and it's called What's in the Box? And there actually is a red physical box with those kind of cool sticky sides. Let me blow the dust off. You blew that at me. I blew it at you. That's fine. Here we go. One, two, three. Right. Okay. So Get inside the box, oh my there will goodness. be a youth culture phenomenon right. from days gone past. From days gone and we have past. to work out what it is. And, uh, and talk about it. And I think we need to work out if we could actually sneak it into a youth work illustration. Oh, I mean, nice. that, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? But you, mean, you mean a gospel illustration? A gospel illustration. What we have here is we've got um, a picture of somebody holding a teenager from days gone by, holding in their hands a little pink plastic circular device. Yeah. With three little buttons at the bottom. Yeah, it's, and it's got a little liquid crystal screen, like a low resolution mm. screen on it saying, hungry, Great. four hearts. Happy. happy three hearts. It's a Tamagotchi, it's isn't a Tamagotchi. it? It's a Tamagotchi. I never had a Tamagotchi. Did you know I had one? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And and I have to say, so I, for a start, I think I think because we're supposed to work out some questions in here. Like when was it popular? We have to say when it was popular. And I think it's a bit awkward because I think it was popular after we I were, should have been playing with yes, it. Yes, we were beginning to be youth workers around this time, yeah. weren't we? I, well, yeah. I think I think. Early nineties, I'd say ninety one, yeah, yeah, maybe ninety one, ninety two, something like that. <clears throat> yeah, and um, and so I did have one of these, uh, and I tell you what, it, you had to sort of feed a, a virtual pet, didn't yes, you, yeah. and keep it happy and and look after it. So you had to yeah. keep putting um, time into this little plastic device, otherwise the little creature would uh, would die. Yes, uh, which, you know, it was a good way, a good introduction to bereavement, I guess, for a young person. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maybe, um, and um, and so we we would play these things, but I never had the self discipline to keep actually keep it going. So I would it would just die quite quickly. And now that when, when you look at like kind of um, AI and just how we engage technology now, it's really hard to think that actually you would have some kind of emotional link to yeah. this weird plastic thing in a very low res screen. But I'm just because I'm, one of the questions is, have you got any funny stories? I have no funny stories with this at all. With Tamagotchis? No, no. And I'm sure probably everyone has some hilarious ones of it dying or something. But what I am suddenly remembering is, oh my goodness, the amount of wasted airtime of people moaning about how terrible this is for young people and how it's going to just waste their time and, and just how I, it's so ironic isn't it the next little tiny leap in technology a little leap yeah. we, we just panic we just freak out that suddenly it's going to morph us into these weird robots so I'm just remembering that unbelievably I do have a funny story involving Tamagotchi it's not unbelievable in the slightest so, does it involve nudity as well not this time okay so okay. Uh, I uh, we used to run the Youth Work Summit Yes, uh, back Chris, in the day. Chris, that other back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Chris, youth Matt Sunfield and I. <laughs> um, and, uh, and at one of the early Youth Work Summits, we had a guy from, I think, Riding Lights Theatre Company oh. who created a fake Youth Work Summit talk. Because they were only 10 minutes oh, long. Oh, yes. And he did a fake talk on, basically, it was the discipleship Tamagotchi. Oh. So it was this idea, it was this phone app that put a young person like in your in your phone and you had to feed it with like oh, scriptures, no, scriptures. Oh, no. and, and like encouragements and if you and didn't do that yeah they fell away oh fall away yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's almost worse than actual death isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> the young person would backslide and you'd have to start again oh, no. and the funny thing was it was clearly a joke it was clearly a fake talk and you just saw waves of people Throughout the venue, getting their phones out, going on the app store, looking for looking it. Looking for it. And then we had complaints. So he actually like, did the talk. It. He actually oh, yeah. did the talk. He did a 10-minute presentation on this fake app. app. Yeah. 
There you go. Oh, there we go. I would like to put out there that if anyone's been traumatised by being at that youth like <laughs> summit and they really felt that maybe their lack of feeding young people with scripture is the reason that the young people fell away, get in touch and we will do something. I don't know what, pray for you. But anyway, fantastic. So can we weave this into a gospel illustration? But yeah, I think you should do that. Well, I, I, I don't know if this... I mean, let's face it. Technology isn't my thing. Let's just admit that right now. So I don't yeah. really know how Tamagotchi actually works and where right. the power supply comes from. But I suppose I love the idea that actually the gospel is an invitation to be plugged into the source of all life. Right. The one who, who, who sustains you. And yeah. so actually saying yes to Jesus is actually plugging yourself into the greatest Tamagotchi worker. <laughs> So you're saying, in a sense, that we have to you come plug back. You yourself into Jesus. We're like, we're like a Tamagotchi. That's we have to come yeah, back to yeah. Jesus, who holds us in the palm of, of his, his hand. hand. Yes, holds us in the palm of his hand, absolutely. Yeah. And never lets us go. And then he'll keep us hungry. And, and I'd happy. also slip into there, actually, the uh, four stages of faith development. And if you're wrestling with your faith and searching your faith, it doesn't, it's not the same as backsliding. And actually, it's important to ask questions. Then you can ask questions without backsliding. I just kind of slip that in you're there well as done. well. In the small print. Well, look, producer Rachel has handed right, me a okay. piece of paper, an envelope Lovely. with some answers in it. Ooh, so, so believe it or not, <gasps> it does. It is a Tamagotchi. Yes. It was released in the UK. This is a bit embarrassing. In 1997. Oh, we're saying 91. So what I, were we doing in 91? I was 19. I should not have had a Tamagotchi. Right. Okay. Uh, it's a digital creature you have to feed, play with, and tend to keep it alive. And as of 2010, 76 million Tamagotchis have been sold. During its peak, 15 Tamagotchi units were sold every minute in the US and Canada. So is it still a thing then? Is it still popular? As Pokemon definitely replaced I think you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah okay. Pokemon replaced it. Well, the lid's going back on, my friends. And uh, next time we will find out what the next thing is in the treasure box of culture. Wow, what happened there? <laughs> so. Yes. So, great news. We're at the end. Um... <laughs> So we do need to do one one more thing, yes. which is say hello to Ollie Deeks. Oh, hello nice. to Doctor Professor uh, Reverend Len Kegler. Has he got more things since we I last keep spoke adding to him? Stuff. Keep adding them. And uh, hello to Vicky Pickett Genge. You you always do that one. I it's love lovely. that one. I just love and, it. And um, can we encourage you again to get in touch? Yeah. Uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk. Yeah. Or follow us on Twitter at youthscape. Yeah. Uh, or like Instagram and Facebook and all those other things. Oh, come and visit us. Come and see us. We're low res, low uh, tech. That's right. High love. Low, low res. Low res, high love. That's our style. Oh, I like yeah, that. we are. Exactly. Uh, friends, one more thing we didn't really make clear to you. Uh, the tickets for the National Youth Ministry Weekend really are uh, close to selling out. If you do want to come, please book this week. Uh, you can find out all about it and book tickets through www.youthscape.co.uk slash nymw. See you there. I mean, I, forgive me for wanting to sort of give our dear listeners some of the real pro, more deeper priceless Curtis stuff that we get to... Um, anyway. <laughs> This is going to be part of the outtakes. <laughs> this so, is definitely an edit.